There might be fewer players, but there's never a lack of exciting action. This is the statewide Idaho eight-man prep cast with Brandon Bainey and Paul Kingsbury. That's right. It's another edition of the Idaho eight-man prep cast on IdahoSports.com brought to you by the Idaho Division of Public Health. I'm Brandon Bainey. You know, in the intro, we say there's never a lack of exciting action. Well, there's always a lack of Paul Kingsbury at this point. I think he's on permanent hiatus. So I'd like to welcome in Will Henneke once again. Uh, joining us here on the eight man prep cast. Will, how are you? I, I felt in honor of Paul because he always wore that weird Mountain Dew hat. I felt compelled to go cap today. So you're getting the Parma baseball cap today. It looks good. And, and the matching hoodie as well. There you go. It's like I helped coach the baseball team out there or something. Yeah. All, all their success can be attributed to you. Is what I just heard. <laughs> Don't say that. Cause we had a bad year last year. It's, it's gonna, we're, we're trending the right direction, but we, we had a rough spring. Yeah. Well, it's, you got to start somewhere, right? Correct. So, yep. Yep. All right. So if you want to see Will Henneke repping his Parma baseball gear, of course you can watch the video version of this on the IdahoSports.com YouTube channel, as well as our Facebook page audio only as well at IdahoSports.com and uh, wherever you download your podcasts. Well, we finally arrived, Will. All of the speculation and the math and the number crunching, it's done. We have actual, honest-to-goodness playoff matchups. And Yeah, and there was a time you talk about all the number crunching and whatnot. I was hearing from multiple coaches last week, there was a time when there was a lot of consternation over who was getting that final at-large berth because it looked like Glenn's Ferry with two wins might get it, over three win Clearwater Valley and five win Wilder. And I think it just, it, it drove home. It reinforced the frustration that we talked about recently on one of these podcasts that people just don't really know how it works. It's hard to project and it's hard to figure out exactly when your, when your number rises and when your number sinks and, and how much it may rise or sink. Uh, but I think ultimately Clearwater Valley getting that final at-large berth probably the right call. You wouldn't have heard me argue if it would have been wilder. I think that they, they certainly deserved consideration as well. And uh, I think ultimately the math worked, uh, but there were some, uh, you know, there were some hair raising turns there for some coaches trying to figure out where they'd be and if they'd be. Yeah. And so it, it was kind of wild. We're talking about the one, a D one ranks here that, that seed teams, uh, you know, five conference champs, seven at large spots. It was kind of wild and, and correct me if I'm wrong. Cause I had a lot going on this past weekend, but as I was sure. kind of checking in periodically, it looked like when we all went to bed Friday night, you know, we, we had an idea of how that final playoff berth was going to shake out. When I got up on Saturday morning, it looked like Glenn's ferry had leapfrogged Clearwater Valley for mm -hmm. that final spot, but there was, there was still a game to be played on Saturday. Logos had a game against Lewis County. It was a game that got moved to Saturday because of shortage of officials. Well, Logos came, came out and delivered a really nice strong win. And so when I woke up Sunday morning, because of that win by Logos that affected Clearwater Valley's max preps ranking and, CV had again leapfrogged Glenn's Ferry. It was kind of wild to watch that throughout the weekend. It was, and that was the thing that coaches were pointing at. They weren't trying to be disrespectful to head coach Lonnie Funkhauser or his pilots program, which you know we saw, you know, right here on Idaho Sports. They were not a a, a bad team, but trying to figure out how they were scoring ahead of these other teams, people just couldn't quite do that math. And then so down to the, you know, down to the wire, you, you know, Coach Holloway and his team up at 
at Logos apparently helped get Clearwater Valley in. So I hope uh, Alan Hutchins sent him a nice fruit basket or something. <laughs> yeah, something, uh, a Christmas card or something definitely yeah. should should be in the works. So, yes, Clearwater Valley secures the uh, fifth and final playoff spot. The The other playoff spot that we weren't sure about in the 1A D1 ranks, and we'll pull up the bracket in just a second, but I wanted to mention up north in District 1, right? We talked about Wallace and Lakeside and how those two teams had gone back and forth all season. Uh, Lakeside won the first matchup by four, and then as we got to the – rematch it was wallace turning back lakeside and so the two teams split against each other and that set up a kansas city tiebreaker on monday and wallace i I kind of had a feeling going in that wallace had the momentum lakeside might have been dinged up a little bit and the wallace miners in the playoffs what an incredible story that is will yeah it took them you know four rounds to get through they got it done liam murdoch with a couple of touchdowns he also had a big two-point conversion there the the thing that I didn't realize until I was reading Jason uh, uh, Jason Elliott's write-up in the Coeur d'Alene um, Press the next day, Wallace, uh, their, their quarterback, Landon Streeter, is pushing 1,500 yards rushing and somewhere in the neighborhood of, you know, a dozen touchdowns or so. He didn't play. So you're taking, you know, that's akin to Lakeside has their own dynamic player in Vander Brown. That's like taking Vander Brown out of, of Lakeside's lineup. And so for Wallace to to still find a way to get it done, uh, you know Liam Murdoch we mentioned had a had a strong a strong showing in those games, and Parker Goldade did a nice job filling in at quarterback. He's normally a receiver, but he did a nice job filling in at quarterback to you know to give Wallace that opportunity to move on. And we've talked on this podcast before when I've been quote unquote filling in for Paul. Um, Wallace has been sort of trending the right way most of the year. They've gotten a little bit better and a little bit better and a little bit better. Now, your reward is you have to go play Oakland, and that may not end well for the minors. However, for head coach Jared Young, his staff and his players, Streeter's a junior, Goldade's a sophomore, a lot of younger players, they're going to be better for this experience almost no matter what happens. So getting there, while, you know, Friday may not go well for them, it's it's possible, we'll see, but they're they're going to reap the benefits down the reward because they're trending the right way. And we talked about next year, uh, Wallace and Lakeside will actually play down at the 1AD2 level where they will join Kootenai, Clark Fork, and uh, Mullen, St. Regis. And that's going to be, I think that's going to be a really nice five-team league that's going to be, I think, just as exciting as the, the White Pine League is in District 2. Oh, potentially very much can, because I, I think that, that Mullen St. Regis, and we can talk more about this later, Mullen St. Regis will, uh, you know, they'll have to replace a couple of very important players. They've still got some very good players coming back. Uh, Mullen has, or I'm sorry, uh, Lakeside has talent coming back. Clark Fork has talent coming back. Kootenai, I, I've, I've been told there are some concerns with, with numbers there, but the kids they have, can play a little bit. So you're right. It's potentially going to be a very, very good league. And we just, we already talked about Wallace. They should have some, some good players as well. Yeah. It was exciting to watch Wallace develop because they were a team that you could tell was getting better week by week. And so that was really fun to watch that development. So let's, let's go ahead and put the brackets up for the one AD one ranks. If you're watching the video, you'll see right in the middle of the screen, it kind of cuts off our face. We kind of look like two face from Batman, but <laughs> yeah, we, yeah, we can lean the wall over here. <laughs> right hug the wall will <laughs> uh so 
we, here's the bracket. And uh, again, if you're watching the video of this, you'll see it up on the screen. Maybe you want to go full screen so you can see it a little more clearly. If you're listening to the audio, just kind of follow along. We, we can kind of just go in order top to bottom if you want. So the five conference champions got automatic buys or excuse me, four of the four five. Of the five. Conference, yeah. Four mm-hmm. of the five conference champions got automatic buys. Wallace was the one conference champion that did not. Um, You'll see on the right side of the bracket, all we know right now is that Raft River is the number one seed by virtue of that wild win over Oakley, which I was at on Friday night, Will. That ended up being a really, really awesome game. Hey, and, and you called that. You'd been calling that since week one, that you thought they were the better team, and uh, especially that, that what was it, about a four-play sequence where it was fourth down touchdown, turnover, screen pass touchdown. You know, that happened in the second quarter, and that wound up being the ball game. It was a, it was a good ball game. It was fun to watch. Yeah, I mean, it couldn't have started any worse for Oakley. Three and out to start, and then the punt to Tegan Whitaker has returned 60 yards for a touchdown, and Raf Rivers up 6 nothing without even touching the ball on offense. So uh, Oakley did battle back, just ultimately ran out of time. I think if that game goes five quarters, maybe Oakley is able to pull that out. But So, so Raf Rivers the number one team. That's all we know because there are at large teams that potentially will be the two th- seed, the three seed, the four seed. We just we don't know yet. So mm-hmm. you're going to see teams missing on the bracket like Prairie, right? The champions from District Two. You won't see Notice on the bracket yet. The champions from District Three, and you won't see uh, the the champs from uh, District Five and Six uh, either. Butte County because we just don't know where they're going to fit in on the seed line. So we right. have to wait. We have to wait for these at large games. But all, once you get to that second round, they will quote unquote reseed, if you will, in terms of a, uh, you know, what would then be a true one through eight bracket. So we just don't know, like you said, um, you know, is, will Prairie be the four seed? Will they be the three seed that, you know, that's to be determined. Right. So uh, the at large games or the play in games, if you will, Oakley was the uh, number one at large team. And by because of that, they get to play the 12th at large team, which is Wallace, the champions from up north. This is all based on the max preps rankings. And and the rule is in 1AD1, Will, for these opening round games, if the opponents are more than a district apart, they have to try and meet in the middle somewhere. So you're going to see a lot of neutral site games here in this opening weekend of the 1AD1 playoffs. Wallace is playing Oakley. That game is going to be on Friday at 4 o'clock. And that game will take place in Riggins, which is kind of cool and exciting. I like that. And because if you've never been there, you're in the canyon. Uh, you know, it's it's a nice setting. And boy, for people who are like outdoors, you know, if you like hunting, fishing, rafting, you need to know where Riggins is first and foremost. But uh, I thought that was kind of cool. Like I expected McCall, to be honest with you, um, you know, which is all of what? 20 miles down the road maybe but uh i i don't mind at all i don't mind them playing in in riggins playing at salmon river and i think for the game itself um oakley a heavy favorite i think a lot of things have to break wallace's way as uh Sorry, somebody just rang my doorbell. Okay. Very nice of them. <laughs> At least they didn't just barge in like in the commercial. Right. Uh, you're, you're right. I think that um, I think that Oakley, especially coming off a loss, um, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if you saw a pretty focused, pretty hungry team on Friday, regardless of who's on that other sideline. And, you know, I don't expect it to be 80 to nothing by any stretch of the imagination, but I would not be surprised to see Oakley jump out you know, get a lead, 
Uh, Wallace is going to have to punch back in this game. If they want to stay in it and they want to have a chance, they're going to have to answer because that Oakley team, you know, they're top three, four in the state for a reason. They are very legit. And if if you're not able to absorb some of those punches, I mean, Raft River kind of took it to them a little bit at, at, for large stretches of, of last Friday's game. If Wallace isn't able to do that, you know, it could be, you know, 24, 28, 32, nothing fairly quickly. And then at that point, I'd expect Brennan Jones, the Oakley coach, to, uh, you know, hey, we think we might have this one on ice a little bit. Let's be careful here. Let's not get anyone hurt because we got to play again next week. Yep. I think that's 100% what will happen and what will shake out. That's a good recipe for success if you are the Oakley Hornets. And then we talked about, you know, they're going to be a top four seed, you know, if they advance. I, I didn't look too closely at the latest max press rankings. Did, were they still number two or had they slid to number three? I was looking more at the bottom. I wasn't looking at the top necessarily. Correct. And I was the same. I like, I wasn't even looking at about the top six or seven teams for about the last two or three weeks now. I'm just kind of watching the bottom. So uh, I couldn't tell you, but I would expect that they would be just based on who else is in there, who else is in their conference. You know, that seems to be a major booing factor for some teams is what other teams in your conference do. And, you know, since you have a few other teams there that, um, you know, are, are going to score highly. I wouldn't expect Oakley to be below maybe three. Yeah. So, yep, they are two. They would, they would be the two seed if they, if they were to advance. So, and Butte County would then slide to third is how that would work. And Prairie would be fourth. So as we continue to look at the one, uh, a D one bracket, the next game is uh, a rematch of a, a white pine affair from earlier this year. It's going to be in Lapway Friday night, seven o'clock, the Lapway wildcats hosting, the Clearwater Valley Rams. Now, uh, Lapway won the first matchup by about 20 points. Uh, I think if it's low scoring, CB's got a chance. If Lapway mm. gets out and runs on offense, might be a long night. Yeah, I think with Lapway in general, I think the the thing that they're going to have to really be attentive to is the weather forecast. You know, they're a team that likes to play fast. As as one coach told me, you know, it's it's almost like a pickup game of basketball. They just roll the ball out there and play, and they're very good at it. Um, with Elias Year out, with Titus Year out, with Mason Brown, with Cross Taylor. Man, they got some kids that can flat out play football, um, and, and they they kind of go off what would be what you would call off script a little bit. I'm sure, absolutely, there is a game plan and there is a mindset. But if you've got, you know, if you've got heavy rains, heavy winds, if it's a muddy track, it, it mitigates a little bit of Lapway's sheer athleticism. Whereas you get to teams like a Clearwater Valley, Potlatch would be another one. And you didn't see it last week because Lapway ran over Potlatch pretty good. But those teams would be more like kind of the mutter horses. You know, they, they you know, Clearwater Valley wants Dylan Pickering to get 30 carries for 120 yards and control the clock and control the ball and control the chains, and, you know, and win a 28-22 type game. That is, I think, I, I agree with you. I think that's what Clearwater Valley needs to be, is it needs to be uh, a lower scoring contest. You get up into the 40s or 50s, I think Lapway just has too many weapons. Yeah, Lapway won the matchup on October 1st in Lapway, 44-22. to 22. So we'll see if the Wildcats can get a win for the second time this year over the Clearwater Valley Rams. Mm -hmm. As we take a look at the third opening round matchup, uh, this is an intriguing one to me. Uh, you've got Potlatch, 
who finished third in the or excuse me fourth in the White Pine League, taking on Grace, the runner-up from District Five and Six. And Grace was really boosted high because of their their Max Preps ranking, um, because they had played Butte County and some other tough teams. Uh, th- this is an interesting matchup to me. It's going to be one of those neutral site games we were telling you about. It's going to be Friday at two p.m. at New Plymouth High School. I think this is going to sound strange. I think I'm actually leaning potlatch a little bit in this matchup. But where do you sit, Will? You know, I think I am too. But it's 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 pretty much a coin toss game. Like I would, I would kind of expect Ryan Ball and his team to come out on top. But it will by no means be a surprise if Grace does. You know, Grace isn't a Grace isn't a bad team. They're just a little bit of an unknown around the state. Um, and you know, this will be one of the first chances that a lot of people get to really see them in action. And, you know, I expect it to be a very good game. I don't expect it to be 50 to nothing. I don't expect it to be a whooping. Um, but I, I feel like Potlatch with Tyler Howard um, at running back, he is the kind of guy, and they run the kind of offense that can control tempo, can control the clock, can eat up minutes. Uh, and if they get ahead, you know, they're kind of like the old uh, Pete, uh, what was the guy's name, the Princeton basketball coach, Pete Carell, yeah. uh, that kind of ran the four corners. Potlatch can do that a little bit in a football context. So if they're able to get ahead, uh, I'd expect them to to be able to hold on and to manage it. So Grace, I, I think a key for Grace is a, is a quick start. Get an early touchdown, get a couple of touchdowns maybe. Because one thing that Potlatch's offense doesn't really seem to be built to do, it's to have to come back from multiple scores down. If they start to lose touch, it's probably a little bit harder for them to rally. So I think the team that, you know, and I wouldn't be surprised to see this go 8-0, 8-8, 16-8, 16-16, 24-16, 24-24. But if one of these teams is able to get up, say, 20 to nothing, that might be enough. Um, no matter what the score ends at, that might be enough if one of these two teams is able to break away early and put a little distance between. Yeah, and uh, for Grace, we talked about they're kind of an unknown. They're, they went 4-4 four and four this year. Their four losses were to Butte County, Oakley, and Raft River, <laughs> the top three teams. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, it's, it's not like they were losing any soft matchups, that's for sure. Yeah. They, and, and it's, you know, I was having a conversation with somebody about a, a different team, but I think it applies here. Grace beat the teams you'd expect them to beat, and they weren't quite there with the teams you wouldn't expect or that you would expect them to not quite be there with. So, you know, they're right about where we would have expected them to be record-wise and finish-wise, but I don't know that it's told us a whole lot about them as a team as far as measuring them against a potlatch or, or someone like that. Yeah. The other uh, cons- the interesting factor to consider in this matchup is the travel, right? You mm-hmm. I mean, you can't get a a matchup that has teams much further apart than this. Right. It's it's being played in in New Plymouth. Uh that is just under 5 hours for Grace and it is about five and a half hours for Potlatch. Yeah. <laughs> so both teams going to be, uh, let's get the buses fired up and and uh, put some miles on them this weekend. It's about as middle as you can get, and, and specifically yeah. for Grace, Potlatch to a degree too, but specifically for Grace, them getting on a bus and having to go more than, you know, a half an hour to a game is nothing new. Um, you know, they're they're used to having to travel a little bit for, for different sports, for different events. 
So, you know, I don't know that the travel will uh, impact them too much unless, you know, it's what time did you say kickoff was like four o'clock? 2 p.m. Friday. So, I mean, as long as they're not rolling up at 1.30 and getting off the bus and getting ready to play, which I'm sure is not the case, uh, I, I don't expect travel to be a uh, an enormous factor. But then again, you never know. As we've talked about before, these are 15, 16, 17-year-old kids. Um, and sometimes it can be a little bit unpredictable as to how they respond uh, to different different circumstances and different surroundings. Yeah, absolutely. The final matchup in the 1A D1 ranks, this also is is a, a hard one for me. Uh, it is Murtaugh finishing third from District 4 against Genesee, which finished third in the White Pine League. I like Genesee here. I think that uh, overall the White Pine League top to bottom is a little more competitive this year than District 4. Obviously, you have Oakley and Rath River at the top, but I think the bottom half um, with Glens Ferry and Lighthouse Christian doesn't quite hold up to the bottom half of the White Pine League. But what do you think? Yeah, I think Murtaugh has one of the state's more underrated players in Junior Benitez. Uh, I think you know he's had a, a fabulous year for him, and you're going to have to account for him if you're Genesee. But one of the more interesting things for Genesee has been to kind of watch their evolution over the course of the year under head coach Justin Podravsky. At the beginning of the year, it was the Angus Jordan show. You know, the, the junior quarterback was just putting up you know, tech mobile numbers on almost a weekly basis. And then about halfway through the year, it started to shift a little bit. And and the last few weeks, it's been the Jack Johnson show, not only on defense, but all of a sudden, you know, he's getting 15, you know, 15 to 20 carries per game on offense and he's producing. Uh, so, I mean, I like Genesee's balance a little bit more. Scientique Wareham, as well as Angus Jordan and Jack Johnson. I think they've got a little bit more balance and, and I think that their, you know, Genesee, in my opinion, is a, a little bit of a dark horse within the 1A Division I ranks. You know, I'm not saying let's crown them yet. You know, let's we don't need to hand them their banner just yet. But are they a team that's going to be a tough out? I, I think so. I really do. Yeah, I think Genesee is a team that is loaded with potential. When you look at how their schedule went this year for the for the Bulldogs, uh, obviously, they they dropped the big matchups with Prairie and Lapway. Those were the two teams that ended up finishing ahead of them. And, and Lapway really ran them out, which was the most surprising, I think. They lost 70-36. to 36. But the wins that they had were all pretty dominant for the most part, right. except for this Kendrick game last week where Jack Johnson scored the winning touchdown late in the game. But Well, from what I understand, the weather was an utter disaster for that game. Obviously, I wasn't there, but I just heard it was – it was a difficult game for both teams because it's a, it's a very nice tip of the cap to Genesee to hold that Kendrick team to 22 points or whatever it was, but it's also a pretty nice tip of the cap to the, the Kendrick was able to limit Genesee like that as well. And uh, it sounds like weather was certainly a factor in that game, but it was a good football game between a couple old rivals. Yep. So that's the one, a D one bracket. There's going to be uh, some intriguing matchups, I think. And We'll see if, uh, you know, with the max preps rankings now, we can officially say, oh, yeah, this was an upset, quote unquote, right? Yeah, we... quote unquote. I, I I hate that term, especially in Idaho, because, you know, and I'm just going to use this strictly from geography. Who who has what, what is our comparative uh, our comparative analysis for Wallace? For all right. we know, in the context of the rest of the state, they're absolute beasts, you know what I mean? But because they haven't really played anybody that would correlate, would translate, 
Um, people might look at them beating Oakley as an upset. Now, I think that would be, but I'm using that as as an example that, you know, I, I think that there's some some teams seated here, um, you know, a little bit lower, you know, quote unquote down that, you know, would I be shocked if Clearwater Valley beat Lapway? No. And, but yet by the lines, an 11 seed over a six seed would be a quote unquote pretty big upset. But we'll see. Yeah. It'll be a lot of fun. Well, we'll take a break. We'll hear from our sponsors, the Idaho Division of Public Health, and we'll come back and take a look at the 1AD2 bracket. There's some tantalizing matchups in that bracket as well. Yes. So we will be back with more of the Idaho 8-Man PrepCast right after this on IdahoSports.com. It's time to start planning for back to school. That's why I got my kids vaccinated for COVID-19. Kids 12 and older can get vaccinated. The vaccines have been researched and tested. They're safe and they work. And I hope everyone will choose to get vaccinated too. We are back here on the Idaho 8-Man PrepCast, IdahoSports.com. I'm Brandon Bainey. He's Will Hedeke as we transition now to the 1A D2 bracket. This was all predetermined. There's no seedings. This was all the coaches sat down and kind of sketched out how they thought the bracket should look. And so let's take a look at this bad boy. Three. Now, this is one that is completely filled out, right? Three conference champions received first-round buys. Mullen St. Just champions of District 1. Hendrick champions of district two and horseshoe bend champions of district three i do think it's kind of interesting that two conference champs that got a bye then have to play each other right away in the quarterfinals but that's yeah. a discussion for another day we can talk about the the first round matchups that are going to happen and we'll just again start at the top work our way towards the bottom if you're watching this on the video you'll see the bracket up on the screen if you're listening uh follow along uh, with the audio-only portion of the, of, the, of the podcast. You can get these brackets online at our website, idahosports.com, and we will be updating these as events become final. So don't just look at it and, and forget it. Keep checking back every day because we will be updating these and, and the state volleyball brackets as well. So you'll want to keep idahosports.com uh, handy on your browser. So the first matchup we've got here is uh, in the team on the top line of the bracket will host so castle ford the runner-up in class 1a d2 and in my opinion still the second best team i know in the polls they slipped below number two they will host water springs the third place team from district five and six uh this is a rematch of a game that was played earlier this year uh castle ford won in pretty convincing fashion the first time around but what do you think happens in the rematch uh, i would expect much the same like i i don't expect a, an absolute destruction but i know water springs is confident that they can play with with castle ford based on what happened in that first matchup uh, and water springs has a very dynamic playmaker in, in drew blocker or blocker i beg your pardon um he's a very dynamic player and if he can get loose a little bit, they can absolutely hang around. They were leading Castle Ford at one point in that first game by two touchdowns. Now, Castle Ford kind of swung the pendulum back the other way. And like you said, one, you know, reasonably comfortably. But I, I think the Warriors have every right to go into that game thinking, hey, we can win this. Um, but I also agree with you in that that Castle Ford is a team, I think, that despite their their list as a, as a, a B you know, a, a second seed out of a division. They're a team that you have to take very, very seriously in this in this bracket. Yeah, lost to Carey by 10 uh, in the game that ultimately decided the conference title. Beat Water Springs way back on September 3rd, 58 to 20. So we will keep an eye on Castle Ford as they uh, really have 
not emerged out of nowhere. I think they knew they were going to be pretty good this year, and I think the coaches in their league did because Castleford was voted second in the preseason yeah. coaches poll. But for everybody else around the state, right? This is kind yeah. of Castleford isn't known as a, a player on the state level, and it's nice to see them having a yeah. really strong season. And it's been a while. You have to, I mean, I, I don't want to say that this was absolutely the last time, but I think you got to go back to when they had a kid named Elvis Medina where they were fantastic in football and basketball because he was just a dynamic, dynamic player. And now when you look at them, you got, you know, Eric Taylor, you got Ethan Rowland, you know, you've got some dynamic players on that team now. Uh, and I think you're exactly right. I think among specifically among coaches, they're not a surprise. Uh, among fans, I think if you get outside of the Magic Valley, they probably are just because you haven't seen their name there that much. You're used to it just being, you know, Kerry Dietrich and then whoever else. Um, and it's not that way anymore. Now you've got Castleford, who's very legitimately in that mix. Yeah, so they'll open with Water Springs at home. Uh, that contest will be played on Friday at 7 o'clock, a traditional kickoff. Uh, the next matchup is going to be a Thursday afternoon contest. Uh, we've got it scheduled on IdahoSports.com. We're trying to fill out the roster of broadcasters, so uh, tentatively scheduled. Rockland will host Garden Valley. The Bulldogs were the runner-up in District 5-6. Garden Valley, the third-place finisher, from District 3, and again, this will be Thursday at uh, 3.30 p.m. I don't know if I said too earlier. There's a lot of games to keep track of on Idaho. Uh, yes. yep. Thursday at 3.30 p.m. in Rockland. Rockland had the big matchup with North Gem last week and uh, fell to the Cowboys, which puts them in this position. Mm -hmm. And they have one of, the, one of the more difficult matchup propositions for any eight-man team in the state with Teague Matthews at wide receiver, you know, he's six foot four, six foot five, and he can flat out go get a ball. So Garden Valley is going to have to contend with that because the Bulldogs are not afraid to drop back and sling it around a little bit. But, uh, you know, I think Garden Valley is a pretty decent football team. Tacoma Kelly and some of those other players in the purple and yellow, uh, I think that they're going to go down there and they're going to give Rockland everything that they can handle. I think Rockland ultimately gets the win here. Um, I think they're just a touch better. And I think that, having that having that matchup difficulty if rockland's offensive line is able to give uh their quarterback some time if they're able to give perman a little bit of time and matthews can get any kind of separation on the outside it's just over it's just difficult to overcome six foot four versus five foot ten and for fans up here in the in the boise area where where i live it harkens back to Wilder a couple of years ago with a young man named Norman Gonzalez. He was so exceptional. He was six foot three, and he was so exceptional at high pointing a football that all they had to do is throw the ball up, and he could go make a play on it. And more often than not, he would come down with it. Teague Matthews is somewhat in that same mold. So Garden Valley is going to have to find a way to limit his touches, specifically downfield. And they're going to have to tackle well. And if they do, they got a shot. 
Yeah. And, and with garden Valley, you know, they have this awesome epic class of players that have since departed. Mm -hmm. It's, it's almost like, um, in like college football a couple of years ago when Peyton Manning was at Tennessee and then and had, they had all these talented players and, and they all left. Well, the year after he left is when Tennessee finally broke through and won the national title. Now I'm not saying garden Valley is going to win the state title, but I think they have been undersold a little bit this year because they did lose such uh, big star power type names. And so I do think Garden Valley uh, is a sleeper and I could easily see the Wolverines winning this matchup mm-hmm. for, for Rockland, a team that is so predicated on slinging the ball around, you know, this time of year, weather becomes a concern Correct. when you are making your bones that way where Garden Valley, we know can run the ball if they need to. So, yeah. And I, I would, I would think that head coach Yearsley up at Garden Valley is going to want to prefer to run the ball. Like we talked about with some of the, 1A Division One matchups. Let's control the tempo. Let's control the clock. The best way to to mitigate uh, a star pass catch combo on the other side is don't let them have the ball. And if 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 Garden Valley is able to do that, if they're able to control, I mean, you don't need burst plays. You don't need chunk plays. We get so used to seeing them in eight man football. But if if you can just go five yards, five yards, five yards, five yards, and work your way down the field and take four or five minutes off the clock and then get points, that's huge. That is huge in a matchup like this. Yep. So that that was the toughest one for me to call here in this opening round. I think I still lean Rockland just very slightly because they are at home, but if Garden Valley won, it wouldn't surprise me in, in the least. Mm-hmm. Here is now Kerry, the uh, the Goliath of uh, eight-man football in 1AD2. They are the uh, champs from District 4. They will play. Timberline, the Spartans from Weipe, uh, they were the runner-up in District 2 back in the playoffs for the second year in a row. But uh, Kerry, I think, overwhelmingly favored in this matchup, and uh, it would really surprise me if if Kerry, you know, fell here. But Yeah, I mean, I think Timberline will get a few points up there. Ryland West, a good option. Parker Brown, a, a good player as well. So I expect them to put up some points. I'm just not sure I see them stopping the Kerry offense um, and, and I mean, it's wild when you look at that bracket, you could have quarterfinal matchups between Kendrick and Horseshoe Bend in the quarterfinals, Kendrick and Horseshoe Bend, and then you could have Carey against Mullen St. Regis. Those are, you could argue the top four teams in the state, you know, Castle Ford would be in that mix as well, but playing in the quarterfinals, not the semifinals, the quarterfinals, and there are some paths there depending on how things go for say a North gym or a castle fort where, you know, you're only going to have to go through Kendrick or horseshoe bend, but not both, you know, you're going to have to go through Cary or Mullen St. Regis, but not both. You know, there are some paths that open up for, for a team that is playing this weekend uh, to, to really make a run deep into November. Yeah. And also the way Dietrich is playing lately, I mean, and the way their bracket is setting up, it could be it could be a nice run for the for the Devils as well. So, yeah, yeah, you meant you mentioned it. Uh, Four of the five district champs will play each other in the quarterfinal round. That just I don't know. And I know this is the coaches that kind of put this bracket together. So they must know me a little bit. It surprises me. Yeah, it, it does to me, too. So I don't know the full process, but um, let's continue on to the bottom half of the bracket here where uh, we just talked about Dietrich. And, and here's another one of those scheduling quirks. Dietrich, as a third place team from District 4, gets to host Council, the runner up from District 3. That'll be Friday night at five o'clock in Dietrich again. 
this seems odd to me that a third place team would host a second place team. But I think the coaches, when they made this bracket, knew that District 4 was going to be a slobber knocker this year and we should try and reward those teams. Yeah, I think there are some assumptions made in specifically in that regard. Um, and, and, you know, that, that could be the factor. We'd have to ask some of them to be sure. Um, I, I give Dietrich a little bit of an advantage here because, A, they're playing well of late. Um, you know, they probably should have beaten Kerry last week. A goal line interception by Connor Simpson kept Dietrich from punching in a go-ahead touchdown late in that ball game. Um, but, uh, you know, don't sleep on don't sleep on the Lumberjacks. You know, don't don't sleep on Matt Paradis's alma mater there. They've had themselves a very nice season, and they almost pulled one off against undefeated and very good Horseshoe Bend last week. They're another team, sort of like Grace in Division One, where we may not know a ton about them. We may not have seen a whole lot of them yet. We being a generic, we not you and me. But they're they're a team that I think you got to take very seriously, and I'm sure that Dietrich is taking them very seriously. Because you look at that bracket, you talk about things opening up. Council is a team that it could open up for a little bit if they're able to get this win. You know, Council or Dietrich is a team that could reap the benefits of, you know, the four ones playing in the quarterfinals. Um, you know, but but we'll see. Like I like you said, Dietrich is playing pretty well right now, and Dietrich is at home. So I'll, I'll give them a, I'll give them a slight advantage, but it's another one where I would not be floored if you sent me a text on Friday and said, "Hey, council, council went down there and got it done." Yeah, you mentioned Dietrich uh, almost beating Carey. Well, Council almost beat Horseshoe Bend, right? They yes. they only lost thirty eight to thirty six. So, yep. and, yep. and that's an undefeated team. So yeah, that's that is another hard one to forecast for me. I think I actually lean council a little bit in this matchup, but again, if Dietrich won, wouldn't surprise me in the least. No, the final it's, it's two good teams. It's two good football teams. It's really, you know, and that's what it should be in the playoffs. You don't, you don't want a whole lot of easy decisions in the playoffs because then maybe you got a little bit too big of a bracket. That's right. Uh, and speaking of that, our, our last matchup here on the bottom might be the most anticlimactic. You know, nothing against Camas County. The Mushers uh, defeated Hanson last Friday in that game that essentially decided the final playoff spot. They are the fourth place team from District 4. They come in with a 2-6 and six record. Uh, North Gem, of course, has only lost uh, to Cary. Uh, they only lost by 20. I think this sets up nicely for North Gym. This is another Thursday game, two o'clock in Bancroft as the Cowboys get to host their one lone game. And then the way the bracket looks to me, they're going to have to go on the road as a district champion. Yeah, this is a game that I would expect North Gym to win fairly comfortably. I think, you know, Bridger Hatch is, you know, well over 30 touchdowns. He's pushing 2,000 yards rushing. They've got uh, another young man, Yost, who's pushing 1,000 yards rushing. I just don't know that Camas County will be able to stop both. Um, and I think that that's going to be the difference in the game. I do think the Mushers, Troy Smith, Dawson Kramer, I do think they'll move the ball a little bit, and I do think they'll put up some points. I think I just think North Gem's ability to run the ball is going to be it's going to be too much, and and I think they're going to win this game. And I do think you talk about teams right now that have to somewhat be salivating as they look at the bracket. If if I'm North Gem. Um, you know, even though I may not be taking out ads in the local newspaper to say to say such, do I feel like I can beat Camas County? Sure. Do I feel like I can then beat Dietrich or Council? 
even if I have to go on the road with the, you know, again, it, the way they play football, they run the ball. They don't throw it a lot. In fact, they've won more games than completed passes. They've won seven games. They've completed six passes, which kind of blows my mind. So they're going to, they're going to hang their hats on their ability to run the ball. So say they have to go to council. And when we get into November, you know what council weather can be, you know, it, it could be muddy. It could be cold. It could be raining. It could be snowing. But when your game is running the ball, that translates through the weather. So at that point, you're thinking about, okay, you know, I've got two wins under my belt and potentially going into a semifinal matchup with either Mullen St. Regis or theoretically, you know, or hypothetically, I should say, Kerry, depending on how things go, feeling pretty good about myself. And, you know, essentially one win away from a state championship berth if they just take care of business. So, I mean, I like where North Gem sits. I've been I've been saying since July, I thought this was a team that could make noise. And now when I look at the, bra- the bracket, I'm even more convinced that this is a team that can make noise. And it's been a long time since a District 5 or 6 team made a really deep run in the Division Two ranks or, you know, well, I was going to say eight-man football period, but Lost Rivers a couple years ago with Mackey and Butte County. That kind of negates that, but... Um, out of that, you know, when you're talking Rockland or, or, you know, that that league, it's been a while since a team has really made a splash. And I think uh, North Gem is in a position if they take care of business, you know, if they if they don't show up, if they have a bad week, they could they could go home very quickly. But if they take care of business, if they're focused and they play well, uh, I, I expect them to be playing well into November. I couldn't agree more. Back on our preseason eight-man prep cast, I actually picked North Gym to win the one AD two title. So uh, you're in good shape right now. But I mean, let's you look at it. Um, you know, you have Horseshoe Bend, Kendrick, or Castleford, and we're just we're we're just going by rankings here. We're not picking favorites, so to speak. On the other side of the bracket, okay, you've got Kerry or Mullen St. Regis waiting there. So you know, pick one of those teams. You're going to have to beat Cary or Mullen St. Regis to get there. And then when you get there, you're going to have, you know, Horseshoe Bend, Kendrick, or potentially Castleford waiting for you. You're going to, you know, the the, the path, the, the, the journey may start smooth and easy, but it's going to get rocky very quickly for any of those teams. Whoever wins this bracket is going to have to earn it, barring some crazy, crazy upsets this week. Yep, I couldn't agree more. Uh, one last note on North Gem. I always get uh, on Monday morning, I, I get an email from Coach Hatch with kind of because because he goes back on on Sunday and gets the official stats from. He stats from, them. Yep. Yes, and so uh, I get the email every Monday from him. Last week, Bridger Hatch uh, tied the school record for most touchdowns in a game with seven. But he said, really, uh, he was more impressed with Brett Yost, who who is the fullback in this North Gem running attack. Uh, he's run for almost a thousand yards this year and eleven touchdowns. And Coach Hatch says, uh, Brett Yost, he'll make the difference for us in a playoff run. So he's already identified that hey, we can't do it with just Bridger Hatch. You know, we're we're going to need that second piece of the puzzle. You might be able to, um, you know, you might be able to just sweep Bridger Hatch right or left when you're playing a non-playoff team. But when you get into a potential semifinal matchup against Kerry or against Mullen St. Regis, assuming those teams get there, 
you're going to have to have a lot more than than one horse to win that race. And and Brett Yost and there's a couple other seniors on that team that have gotten some carries and have scored some touchdowns. It's those other players. You're right. I, I completely agree with you, and I completely agree with Coach Hatch. You know, Bridger Hatch is he's he's kind of driving the bus a little bit, but for them to get to the podium, there there's going to have to be some other players that have big games and big plays in big moments. Yeah. Well, the big moments will start this week. A couple of Thursday games, a lot on Friday, and then uh, a couple on Saturday as well across the state of Idaho as we get into the eight-man postseason. It's really good to be able to actually look at the brackets and start to kind of talk about the individual matchups. Uh, I think there's going to be a lot of fun, exciting games this week, Will. Oh, I think there's going to be some great games. For for a first round, for an opening round, um, there, are some, there are some terrific matchups, and there should be some great, great football. And Uh, The ability to watch some of it here on Idaho Sports is awesome. Awesome. That's right. Uh, To see all of the games that IdahoSports.com will be broadcasting, neither video or audio this weekend, uh, just go to the Game Streams tab on the IdahoSports.com homepage. That'll show you the complete broadcast schedule of games that we have for this opening weekend of football across the state of Idaho for postseason. So uh, that'll do it for this edition of the Idaho 8-Man PrepCast, brought to you by the Idaho Division of Public Health. Uh, Will Henneke again. Thanks for coming on and talking about this. It's a lot of fun. Yeah, thanks for having me. All right. I'm Brandon Bainey. Uh, enjoy the games this weekend, everybody. And we'll see you back here next week for the quarterfinal edition of the eight man prep cast on IdahoSports.com.